Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. Don't y'all welcome from Big Reedy, Kentucky, Big Stevie. Jesus and Nazareth, so I'll take that, right? Or something like that. Yeah, he's closer to Caneyville. Um, I tell you what, let's get let's get started in prayer tonight. Thank you, God, for your goodness and your love, and God, as you watch over us, and uh, Lord, tonight we pray that you open our minds, open our hearts, God, to receive this word that's been prepared, and and Heavenly Father, that. Uh, uh, our minds would be aware, that our hearts would be aware, maybe God, of sin that's in our life that, that we could confess and, Lord, know that we're forgiven and that it's under the blood and we can be free and we can be at peace. So we thank you for that tonight. Help us, Lord, to uh, speak the word, God, that you've given, and, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Um, Sometimes, thank you, Jake. Sometimes, and I don't know about you all, but oftentimes in reading or in studying, you, you can get hung up, maybe, not really hung up, but um, Wayne says he has to ponder a lot. So a couple of weeks ago, I get in my spirit as I'm reading, I come across this, and, and you don't have to turn there. You can, you can be turning to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, but I'm reading in Psalms, and I come across this in Psalms chapter 71. It says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Okay? In thee do I put my trust, O Lord. Let me never be put to confusion. So I'm, I'm, it sticks in my spirit for a while, and I'm thinking about confuse, confusion, being confused. And we find here in the verse uh, that we're going to uh, start off tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, probably a little more familiar than that. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as it is, as, excuse me, as in all churches of the saints. And probably we have heard that verse a lot that God is not the author of confusion. 
confusion. And I want to separate before uh, we get into this. <clears throat> I think the word sometimes may be unclear to us. And maybe there's pieces of scripture, or not maybe, but definitely, there's pieces of scripture sometimes that it's hard for us to understand, and we're not able to wrap our, 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 our uh, uh, minds around it, and we're not able to piece it all together. And that, I don't want to get that confused um, with being confused the way that I'm going to talk about it tonight. So not understanding or being unclear about something, that's not the avenue that I want you to take. So if you're reading your Bible and you think, man, I don't understand that. that, that's not exactly where I'm going tonight. But I want to think about a confusion as it says that, it is, that God is not the author of confusion. So if it's not coming from God, I think we can pick apart from that, that it comes from the enemy. So if the enemy has the opportunity in our lives, in our spiritual lives, in our Christian walk, in our uh, interaction with our brothers and sisters, I think and, and maybe as I get older I can feel that what the enemy I think is trying to do most is he's trying to steal our focus. He's trying to steal our focus away from the Word of God. He's trying to steal our focus away from our ministry, away from the calling that God puts on our life and the calling that he maybe has for each of us individually, but the main calling of the church that we would teach and preach and reach out to the lost, being the great commission that we would love our brothers and sisters, that we would love God above all things. So if the enemy can just for maybe a few minutes or, or even sometimes for a day, or maybe we get in a series of confusion where we don't know what's going on for a long period of time, see the devil will shift our focus to something else, and while we're off of something else, we're missing the gospel. And I think the enemy is great at it very often that he will get us confused about something. So we have to be very careful, I think, when those things come in our minds and we can feel ourselves shifting away from what we know that the Bible says. We know right here that it says God is not the author of confusion. So when we feel confused, maybe we feel anxious about something, we can take that as saying, okay, this is the enemy, and maybe we speak it out loud. We say, Satan, get behind me. Now, if there's somebody with you, be careful in saying that. But maybe, and verbally I've done that, just speak it out loud into the air to say, Satan, get behind me, and, and, and not to just to say it, to be saying words, but to mean it. And, and maybe you're feeling tonight that there's something going on in your life, and we're going to touch on a few things that kind of God put in my mind about things that can be confusing in our world today. But maybe, God, uh, maybe the enemy has you confused about something, and, and hopefully something that's said tonight would be a help to you. But I want to go all the way back to the beginning and thinking about confusion, thinking about the way that the enemy confuses us and going back into the garden, how the enemy confused Eve. Okay, so Adam and Eve are placed in the garden. We don't have, um, uh, we could probably get a bunch of different opinions on what the timeline is about when Adam and Eve are created and when the serpent comes to them. Maybe that was three days, maybe it was 3,000 years, who knows. But from the period of time when God plants them into the garden, and he gives them the garden. He says, okay, you have all of this beauty to enjoy except this one tree, Charlie. I want you to stay away from that one tree. You can't have that fruit. Okay. Very clear. Maybe sometimes 
God says to us, okay, I've blessed your life. I, I, I've, given you, I've given you a home. I've given you a spouse. I've given you children. I've given you health. I've given you the ability to be able to pay your bills, but I want you to stay away from this one thing, whatever that thing is. Um, uh, during the fast, um, uh, the brother was talking about some of those things that he had in his life of, uh, of being idols, those things maybe uh, that you're not able to control, you have an addiction to, and maybe it's not something necessarily that's wrong in and of itself, but it steals your focus away from what God is. I look at Jim and I think, man, Jim loves to ride a motorcycle. But it could very easily consume him Harley Davidson, I've, I've heard you say before you were worshiping at the church of Harley Davidson. See, there's nothing wrong with a motorcycle until it begins to shift your focus away and people could look at you and they could be confused about what God are you actually serving. So God says to Adam and Eve, I want you to stay away from this one tree. I believe as well as anything, it says there in verse number 6 of Genesis chapter 3, it says when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. I don't think that the enemy came at Eve when it was a, um, a budding flower that was just getting ready to start blooming. I don't think he came whenever there was a worm. If We always think about an apple for the purposes of the night. Humor me a minute and think about an apple. I don't think the enemy came to Eve when there was a worm sticking out of that apple either. I think he came to her when that apple's hanging there on that tree and it was beautiful. It says there that the woman saw that the uh, that the tree was good for food. So I believe that this fruit, whatever it is, was perfectly ripe, possibly when she was at her weakest. And paraphrasing tonight, maybe just using my own words, um, uh, as uh, I would talk to Dan here and I'd say, you know, God told you to stay away from that. Do you really think he meant that? Do you really think of all these beautiful things that he's given you. He's given you all of this beauty and all of these fruits and, uh, and all of these things to enjoy, but this one thing he's telling you to stay away from? Uh, you sure? Oh, he, well, you know, he said we die. You're not going to die. You should, it says there at the end of verse number four, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Come on. And we hear this and we're thinking, how silly does Eve have to be to believe these lies, but yet don't we entertain those things in our own minds? When the enemy shoots those fiery darts at us, Dax, and, and, and we know very clearly it's coming from him, but yet we begin to entertain those things, and then we start turning it over in our mind. And I don't know about you all, but my mind's my biggest enemy sometimes. Laying in bed at night thinking about different things, and it's like, where did that come from? The enemy is trying to confuse you and I say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, get behind me. So the enemy says to Eve, do you really think you're going to die? I mean, look how good that fruit looks. Do you really think it's going to be that big of a deal if you speak that little piece of gossip? Do you really think it's that big of a deal? Do you really think it's that bad if you step over that person at work to make yourself look a little bit better? And before you know it, you're like, well, I don't really know. I think God said to leave that tree alone, but it looks so good. I bet it tastes good, too. I believe here Eve gets confused. He was able to wiggle in just a little bit. He was able to get just a little bit of confusion in her mind, and she thinks, well, maybe it will make me smarter if I take this fruit. 
Maybe it won't be that big of a deal if I do ABC, XYZ, whatever it is, fill it in. So at that point, the enemy had her confused, and we know what happens after that. She eats of the fruit. She takes it to Adam. Adam takes for the taste of the fruit, and the rest, as they say, the rest is history. Things that we have to deal with today, the sin that's in our lives, we can go back to this very thing. But I think about how Adam and Eve were confused. I always give Heather a hard time about how Adam, he didn't have a choice. She came to him and she's like, here, you're going to eat this. And he's like, okay. <laughs> right, men? We want to act like we're really smart, but we're going to do what they tell us to do, right? Because we know what's best for us. You know why? Because we're confused in our minds. The women are confusing to us. We're right on the surface. We're easy to understand. They're deep. I'm teasing. <clears throat> but how does the enemy try to confuse you? Do you ever find yourself confused and thinking, why am I even thinking about that? Because the enemy is trying to take your focus away from love. He's trying to take your focus away from peace, as it says there, um, uh, but of peace as it is in all churches of the saints. When we come together and we have the opportunity to join together in worship and we fellowship with our brothers and sisters and, and we leave this place being energized for God, and man, it feels like that we can take on hell with a squirt gun. But then Monday morning we show up to work and something happens and it's like, oh, it would be really easy for us sometimes to think why do bad things happen to good people and we could, we could begin to entertain those thoughts and before long we find ourselves confused. But this verse says that that confusion doesn't come from God. He's not the author of that confusion. I wrote down a list of things that could be considered confusing in our world and how it might apply to us today. We feel like, hopefully, we're coming to the end of this pandemic that we've live, been living in for the last two years. And I thought the other day, man, who would have ever thought things would have been the way that they would have been, let's say, three years ago, if we could go back and, and look at the way we're doing things then versus the way we're doing things now. But see, the enemy has used this virus. Now, Now you may have an opinion, and, and whatever that opinion is really doesn't matter uh, to, this, uh, uh, to this message tonight because I'm sure we all have our varying and different opinions. But the enemy has used this virus to drive a wedge between us, even in the church. Well, you think that this virus is real. I just think it was created in a laboratory somewhere. Say that to somebody who's lost their loved one. That's tough. Oh, well, you wanted to get the shot. I don't want to have anything to do with you because you got that shot and you're taking on uh, the uh, people want to say the mark of the beast. Oh, you better watch that stuff. Oh, you're so hard-headed that you don't want to get the shot? What's wrong with you? See, it's created confusion in our mind. The enemy has used that to his own benefit to just get our minds fixed against one another. This verse says that God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace. So many times, and we'll hit on this again at the end, but so many times we saw when Jesus interacted with people, Larry, what was the first thing he said to them? He said, be not afraid, peace be still. 
that Jesus had the power to calm a raging storm out on the sea. See, God is the author of peace, not the author of confusion. So when we find ourselves fighting against those people, people that we know and love, that the enemy can even use that against us, well, they said they were your friend, but they went and got that shot. Well, they said they were your friend, but they won't take the shot because they say it's wrong. Really? Well, they go to a different kind of church. They go to a different kind of store. They wear different kind of clothes. Anything the enemy can do to drive that wedge in between us. Well, I'm not going to go to church because I don't want to be around people. Well, I can't believe you wouldn't want to come to church. I think Wayne probably said it as well as, as it could be said back probably 18 months ago. Give people space and give people grace. What does Jesus teach? He says, love on them. Maybe you look at things differently than I do, TJ. But man, I still love you. Maybe you look at things differently than I do, but that doesn't mean that we can't still have a bond that the Bible says uh, uh, is not quickly broken, a cord of three strands, that it could be me and you and Jesus Christ entwining within us, even though we might disagree. We don't have to be confused and we don't have to hate each other. Man, I can still love you. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And the enemy will use anything he can. The next thing I wrote down here was the war that's going on in the other part of our in the, the other part of our world. Maybe you look at it and you think, well, the Ukraine had it coming. Maybe you think Russia's being a big bully. And because we have some sort of disagreement that I can't uh, I can't commune with you because I'm confused. Why would anybody think that way? It's the enemy trying to pull us apart. It's the enemy trying to show people that are outside of the church, well, that church group says that they believe this and this, but look at them. They're fighting about a shot. They're fighting about a vaccine. Look at them in there. Man, we're guilty. God is not the author of confusion. Man, I don't, oh, I don't want to get into it, but politics, bull. Man, you want to talk about driving a wedge between two people, bring up something about politics. Possibly the only other thing would be is if you say the name of Jesus, that would cause more fuss in somebody. But you want to talk about politics, man, you'll start dividing people wholly. Maybe I should have said entirely rather than wholly. That's probably a bad choice of words. It'll divide people entirely. Oh, well, you look at that this way. Well, you can't be right. You have to be evil. The enemy is trying to confuse us. The war that's going on. I went to a class, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple weeks ago, and there was a state trooper was talking about, for those of you that may not know, a work in a bank, and he was the, the, the class that we were going to was talking about an active shooter. And the training was kind of geared that he had done with some teachers and administrators in the school, but it was still kind of prevalent to, to, uh, uh, to the banking industry about, you know, because you always hear that, that it could be risky for a bank uh, to be robbed and people come in with a gun and, you know, some people just walk through the door shooting and other people are just looking for attention. But I, I'm sitting there in this class and he's showing these slides 
And I'm, I, I'm looking through these slides and I'm thinking, how in the world can somebody in their right mind walk into an elementary school with a gun and just start shooting people? That makes zero sense to me. That's confusing to me because it's sin. I know what the Bible says to be right, and I know that that's wrong, but somehow in that, mind, in that person's mind, the enemy was able to twist them into believing that that's what they needed to do that day. Can you imagine what kind of confusion is going on in that person's mind that they would think that's what they need to do, that's the, that's the answer that they need to go, and oh, so often they end up turning the gun on themselves. How confused does this person have to be to do something like that? We're not able to understand that. Hopefully, we're not able to understand that because the enemy has used his tactics to get in that person's mind and to twist it so bad. So we think about these, these big bad things. We think about this, um, the, the wedge that's been driven in our society about the vaccine and, and, and the pandemic and, and the war and the active shooter. But then we hear things about gender identity. And man, it, just to be quite frank, it makes me sick to hear some of the stuff. Me and Heather haven't been in Target but one time since they started letting men go into the, women, into the women's room. And I'm thinking, if my little girl's in there and a man walks in there, I'm going to be confused. <laughs> but he's not going to be confused because he's going to know exactly where I stand. <laughs> See, it's things like that that, that men want to identify as a woman, that a woman wants to identify as a man. Those things in our mind, we're not able to comprehend that because it's of the devil. Hopefully, the, the righteousness that's within us offsets those things in our mind. How can that possibly be? See, that's not of God because that's confusing, confusing, and that scripture that we believe comes out of the Bible, and we know the Bible's right, and it says that God is not the author of confusion. So I have a conversation with a lady several years ago. She comes into my office, and she was talking about all this problem. Her business was failing. This was when I worked in Caneyville, so back years ago. Back in my 30s, way back then. <clears throat> so this woman comes into my office, and she's talking about her marriage failing. And she's talking about her business failing. And she's talking about all these things that it seems like Literally, she's getting to a point to where she's going to be at the end of her rope. And, and she talked about how she was trying to drown her sorrows in alcohol and, and some decisions that she was making. And, and the conversation, I'm, I'm listening to her, and finally, I don't remember exactly what I said, but something to the effect of, well, have you, have you tried trying to find a church to go to? Have you, have you tried seeking out to God? And, you know, she gave me a, um, a list of a couple excuses about why she didn't want to go to church but then she flipped it back on me and she said well let me ask you a question she probably didn't say it hateful like that but it makes it the story better all right big boy big stevie as jake said let me ask you a question because you know we always got to add a little sass in there i've got a 12 year old daughter i know exactly what sass is so she says so let me ask you something if there's only one god why is there so many different churches 
Man, that's a really good question. It's a really good question. I don't remember if I told her right then or if I was able to formulate this answer in my mind so if it came up again. But I think what the answer is, people can't get along with each other. I think that's why there's so many different types of churches is because we can't get along. And I say we, including myself. Because if I'm going to a church and it's not exactly the way I think it needs to be and maybe I line up 99% with them but there's one thing that I just can't get over, well, I'm just going to go start my own church and I'm going to do it the way I think we're supposed to do it. Leaving out anything about God, I'm going to go do things the way I want to. Man, that's got to be confusing to people that are outside of the church. That's got to be confusing to somebody that looks in that says, okay, you're supposed to be talking about, and, and they, they have a base, they, a, a lot of them do. They understand, they know that they hear about this love that we're talking about, and they hear about this peace that, they're talk, that we're talking about, and they hear about this benevolence that we're giving away food out in, the, out in the driveway, and we're putting clothes on the naked, and we're putting diapers in the hands of single mothers, and man, we're doing all the good stuff, but we can't get along enough to sit and worship with each other because that other bunch does it wrong because they don't want to worship exactly the way I want to. And that's tough for me because there's a lot of different styles of worship and some of them don't really do that much for me in my spiritual walk. But looking on the, on the outside, looking in, what does that have to look like to somebody that's lost? Why is there so many different types of church that has to be confusing to them why there's so many different types of church. What's that, what's that verse say? That God's not the author of confusion. <clears throat> so I don't believe that comes from God. That comes from us church people. huh? That comes from us because, oh, you're just a little bit different than me. Oh, that's that group that goes to church over there. Yeah, they're about half cult anyway. Anybody ever heard that about Potter's Hope? It's about a half cult anyway. I haven't heard half cold. I've heard it's whole cold. <laughs> Completely. That Dr. Todd down there, he's the leader of them. He's crazier than a sack full of bats. <laughs> no, I've never heard anybody call Todd a sack full of bats. <clears throat> I bet I'll call him that again, though. <clears throat> yeah, we're the church. <laughs> Trying to do the commandments of what our Savior Jesus Christ told us. And what are that? Breaking down very simply, there's two things. He says, love me first and love your brother. Love your neighbor. But all too often, we're like those higher-ups in the story of the Good Samaritan, and we see the person that's sick laying down, and we walk around them on our way to church because i got to get to church. I wonder how many times we miss opportunities to serve God while we're looking for opportunities to serve God. It's got to be confusing to people that are outside of the church. So when we find ourselves confused, actually, let's, let's go back and let, let's talk about that a little bit more. <clears throat> we look at the church that it could be confusing to somebody that's outside. What about you specifically? What about the life that you're living? The life that you claim to be a Christian, that you stand in here on Sunday and Wednesday night and you lift your hands up to the Almighty, and I believe truly that that's real within our spirit. 
We claim to be walking hand in hand with the Lord, and absolutely we're trying to do the best that we can. Do people look at your life? I've always thought this would be the worst thing, that if, some, that if one of you invited somebody to come to church, I've always thought this would be the worst thing that could possibly be said about me, that if Larry talked to somebody and he says, hey, I'd like for you to uh, come and, and worship with us sometime down at Potter's Hope, and that person said, well, doesn't that big tall Smith boy that works at the bank go down there? Well, yeah, he sure does. Eh, I don't think so. That would break my heart to hear that I had done something to somebody that they wouldn't be willing to come into a church because I was going to be there. So I think, man, that's something that makes me want to stay on my toes. Am I per Absolutely not. Do I mess up every single day? But I look around at brothers and sisters that I have that prop me up when I'm hurting and they pick me up when maybe I'm down in a low spot and they give me strength and they give me the, the encouragement to stay away from that sin because I want, um, I want to be able to invite people to church and say, well, yeah, Larry and Kathy go down there with us. Yeah, they're getting old and they're crazy, but man, we love them. Everybody in here ought to say amen when I said that. <clears throat> Well, of course they go with us. Yeah. Man, you want to talk about a couple people loving on, loving on somebody, that's Larry and Kathy Darst. Amen? Somebody give them a hand clap. <clears throat> well, nah, I don't, I don't know if I want to go down there. Jim Booth goes down there. We laugh, but wouldn't it be awful? Wouldn't it be bad that we would be living a life that somebody would look at us and they would be confused about what it's like to be a child of the king? If you go over into Revelation chapter 3, in those letters to the churches, it speaks about the Laodicean church. And, it's, and, and, it's, and it's, as he's writing the letter there, and it's in red in my Bible, and it says, I see, but I wish that you were either hot or cold. Because for those, and, and I'll, I'll, mis, uh, I'll misquote it, verse number 15 of chapter 3, I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I almost think about that lukewarm Christian as being confusing to somebody that's outside of the church, and they look at them, and maybe they're a little bit puzzled. I thought that person that just cussed out that other guy I thought I heard him say that he's a Christian I thought I saw that guy that claimed to be a Christian really giving it to somebody the other day or wouldn't it be great if they said you know what that Les he says he's a Christian and I saw him praying with somebody the other day I saw Richard the other day, and I heard him, and when he left that person, I heard him say, have a blessed day. See, that, that's not very confusing to me. Somebody that is living their life in a way that they're walking the walk, and they're talking the talk, and they're not just preaching it, but they're living it out. That's what I think the Lord has called us to be, and that's not confusing. That's being who we say we are. So when we find ourselves confused, where do we turn? When we find ourselves confused, <clears throat> do we flip on our phone and go to Fox News or CNN and try to find the answers there? Lord help, but probably sometimes we do. Sorry, Wayne, do we go to Facebook and we make some kind of silly post and we see people 
oh, man, I got 15 likes on this one. I always think it's crazy when Wayne talks about Facebook, but then I find myself looking at the like count. I'm like, yeah, they really like that one. I'm proud of that, even when it's just something silly. Do we find our worth in these posts? When I'm confused, do I turn away from those things and do I get in my word? When somebody comes up to me and maybe they say something, well, you know it says in the Bible that money is the root of all evil. Well, let me look and see what it says. No, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. Cleanliness is next to godliness. What's the address of that one? Leviticus? Well, let me find out exactly for myself what the Word says. Do I turn to the Holy Spirit when I feel confused about something and do I say, Lord, I need your help on this one and I need some clarity. This person says this, that person says this. God, what do you say about that? Let me lay down my opinion. Let me lay down what I believe to be truth and God, let me seek truth in you because that's the only truth that there is. Amen? God, I'm confused about whatever it might be. And I know, dear Lord, that if I am confused, that I know it's coming from the devil, and God, I want to be set free from this confusion. Some people say when they get to heaven, they're going to ask God why broccoli's good for you and ice cream's bad for you. I don't care. When we get to heaven, I ain't going to care one bit about why ice cream wasn't any good for me. Maybe we take a step into some deeper things that people that disagree on I don't want to use the word hate, but they strongly dislike that other person because there's some kind of doctrinal issue about how you're supposed to baptize people, whether you're supposed to pour it over their head or whether you're still supposed to dunk them. God, what do you say about that? Let me look in your scripture and Holy Spirit impart in my mind about what the truth is, about what you say, not about what I say. So when I have confusion that enters into my mind, Maybe I call out to the Holy Spirit. Maybe I look in my, in my Bible. Maybe I call out to some Christian brothers of mine and I say, hey, I'm dealing with something. I need some help on this. Or do I turn to the world or do I turn to my flesh? Because I believe that a lot of times when it's just me and I turn to my emotions, my emotions will trick me. But God won't. So we find ourselves today, we call ourselves the church, not the potter's hopians, but the Christians. Not that we're following after a name, because the Bible tells us there's no other name given whereby men might be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. So we call ourselves a Christian and we're following after him. And, and, I, and I don't want to condemn you tonight, but I want you to think about it, and I want you to examine yourself. If someone's looking at your life, would they be confused? Or would they say, there's somebody that lives out what they talk? There's somebody that says they're a follower of Christ, and I can see that they're a follower of Christ because of what? Because of their love. 
Do we really have to drive down the road and see a sign that says be kind for us to want to be kind? There's that song, and I don't know exactly what it is, but um, what would Jesus do? He would love first. He would love first. Jake, if you want to come on up and, and, and start a song for us. We have that opportunity when we come into church, and you, you can call it conviction, you can call it as the Lord begins to work on you. I think it's a time of examining that we look at ourselves and we say, okay, is my life as a whole, is that confusing to somebody else? Hopefully not our life as a whole would be confusing to somebody else, but is there a part of our life that's confusing to somebody else? Let's take it a step farther, and maybe there's a Christian brother or sister that's you have confidence in and they have confidence in you. Maybe there's something that they're doing that's confusing, and God is calling you to be accountable to them, to, to approach them, not to smack them over the head with the Scripture, but to approach them and say, hey, you know what? I've got something that's bothering me, and I want to come to you out of love because I'm confused and I want some help. Can you help me understand this? Maybe they're like, oh, wow, I didn't know people were taking it that way. I didn't understand that people were taking it in a way that they thought I was shining a light upon myself. I want to glorify the Lord in everything I do. We look at ourselves and we think, am I confusing other people or other people confusing me? And, and if that's the case, we have the opportunity to go to the to the one that doesn't write about confusion but he writes about peace for God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all churches of the saints we think about a saint being maybe someone that was uh, one of the early trailblazers of the church maybe we think of somebody as being a saint of one of those people that was in the in the church when when you were a kid and and man they were strong in their faith but just think maybe somebody's looking at you and thinking you know what they're a saint it's a big responsibility that's why we have to be on our toes all the time so that we're not casting confusion whether we're casting peace and we're casting love. Stand with me tonight. We thank you, dear God, tonight that, Lord, you love us so much. So much, God, that you would have us to be pure and you would help us to realize things that are in our life that might be confusing confusing to someone else. And God, that, that you love us so much that you want us to be pure, that you want us to enjoy your righteousness, that you would have us to confess those things. And maybe right now, God, somebody in this place has never come to you and they've heard this word and they thought, man, I, I've never given my life to the Lord. And they're confused. Maybe tonight, God, might be the opportunity that they can leave here with that peace. Maybe it's somebody here tonight, God, that has been walking with you, but there's some piece of their life that they look at and they say, you know what, that, that could be confusing to somebody else. I want to come and I'm going to bow at this altar and I'm going to cast that part out. We ask, God, tonight that you prick our hearts as we are convicted, God, and we think about things that are confusing, God, we can know that it's not of you. 
wars on the other side of the world people that go into schools to shoot gender identity a global pandemic God the list could go on and on but Lord tonight we pray God that you would invade those quiet places of our heart that we try to hide from other people Lord and that you would clean out those spots the corners of the closet God We, we praise you tonight, God, that we have the opportunity to bow at this altar and to ask you to remove those things. And right now, God, as we come, we have the assurity to know that you hear us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King.